Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, friends. It's another gorgeous day out here in the world. It doesn't matter where you are. If you've got your eyes open, you're breathing on your own, you're awake and alive and alert, it's a beautiful day. The only time we should really complain about the weather is when we can't experience it. Because if we can't experience it, it means that we're either infirmed or imprisoned somehow. Every day that we're out here alive and well enough to be able to see the sky, look out the window, take a walk, or mobilize ourselves in some way is an opportunity to go into a position of genuine gratitude and say, thanks for another opportunity here to do something magnificent. In terms of magnificence, here at the K Factor, the theme is kindness, where K equals kindness, and the factors are all the things that lead to it. I'm your host, Dr. Dub Carlin, and this is my show. I love doing this show. We've been doing this for about four years, and I continue to meet people who are so fascinating. And it's not just about the work that they do, because we all do something in the way of work. But it's about their spirit. It's about what you are greeted with when you first encounter them. And we've all had the experience of meeting a person who just captures us with their delight, with their bright, with their warmth, with their freeness in their own self. Now, The gal who I've got on the line with us today is somebody who has walked into my life just in the last few months, and I have to tell you, we have become wonderful, dynamic, rich, authentic friends in every sense that you can imagine the word friendship and what it means to you. That is my friend here, Araceli Kapiloff. Welcome, Araceli. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. And, you know, it's just amazing to me how it is that you and I got introduced to one another because it's through somebody that we both genuinely value, Jennifer Rich here in St. Louis, who is the pharmacist and owner of Jennifer's Pharmacy, which has been a, an icon here in St. Louis, Missouri. And she had put the word into both of our message systems that we needed to meet one another and and when that happened we both i i don't know who who was busier than who but we finally gravitated to one another and we thought our connecting point was a place that you've had for years that unfortunately is is not open at this point in time but but tell our audience what that was called and where it was and what was that about? Because that's a really talked-about place. Well, um, are you referring to my original place that I owned, how I met Jennifer, or how we met exactly? Oh, well, I don't know. Start where it is your spirit moves you. <laughs> well, you know, it's it started with the fact that I owned a, a cafe called Rue Lafayette, and... Uh-huh. Um, and the spirit of kindness, <laughs> um, Jennifer's pharmacy, the place that she owned at that time, um, was 
similar to mine in a sense that it had a food area where um, she had ice cream and it was like an old ice cream parlor. It was really cool and it was very fun and our businesses were similar in that way. And we would send customers over to each other, you know, instead of being selfish and saying my place is better than yours and, and all of that. So if there was a private party that I couldn't accommodate, I send it to her and vice versa. So we became business friends like that. And then um, one day she told me, there's somebody that you need to meet and you guys are going to love each other. And then when I looked you up, Deb, I thought, this lady is too busy and too important. I don't want to bother her, <laughs> but I did anyway. <laughs> and, um, and then when we met for the first time that you called me and we just, you said, can you come today? And we met poolside at a beautiful um, restaurant um, place, hotel in St. Louis. I think it was just love at first sight. Well, you know, when you see somebody and you love their, their smile and their face and everything about it, and it was just really wonderful. Yeah. You know, and it, and it really was, and what was really fun was you walked in with um, your whole being and also your entourage, which oh, yeah. is your, your wonderful man, Jeff, and the star of the show. Let's both get out of the way. Oh, yeah, Bella, the Boston Terrier who steals the show every time. (laughs) I think she's an example of not being the most traditionally beautiful dog in the world, but she definitely has a personality that captures the room, and no matter you put her next to any show dog and she'll be the one getting all the attention, so I think she's got that mastered. (laughs) Absolutely. It is just amazing what it is that she is about and what it is that she brings to the party. What was it like when when you had Rue Lafayette and she was there with you? Because I think these stories are absolutely beautiful. Talk a little bit about that because I want people to get a sense of the connection that you have to people, but the added element that this pooch, this gorgeous little, what is she, 30 pounds, 20 pounds? Yeah, she's actually, yeah 22 pounds, and um, and anybody listening can just look her up, Bella, and then her middle name is Rue, R-U-E, because the cafe was called Rue Lafayette. So if they Google Bella Rue, St. Louis, they'll see all kinds of pictures and articles and and things, but to your question, I mean, you know how you're always told to do what you love and the money will follow, and and you think, I can't just drop everything and do what I love, but I think if you incorporate slowly what it is you love, then it is very true, because I got Bella when the cafe was fairly new, about six months old, And I got her as a baby. I wanted a rescue, but then I thought that if the dog was going to be around people, you know, I wanted a dog that I had from day one, basically, so that I would know that certain sounds or children or something wouldn't startle her. So I found, I read about Boston Terriers and thought that was a great match because of their temperament and size and so on. And she was a baby and it was winter, so I would bring her to the cafe with sweaters. The customers then started bringing her gifts. Well, they threw a baby shower for me. It's a surprise. Whoa! And 
people brought gifts, and then her sweaters turned into dresses and tutus and tiaras. And so she became a dog that was dressed every day. And it was my cafe, so I kept her there. There was a little boutique section, so I was able to get away with it legally as far as having a dog in a cafe. And um, I loved her. Of course, I wanted her with me. Some days I didn't bring her if it was a day that I had to do a lot of errands and food shopping and bank. And people would get disappointed, and they would say, you know, we came here to see Bella. So she became a staple. Then people started calling and saying, I'd like to book a birthday party for 12 for my daughter if Bella's going to be there. So (laughs) then, you know, I could just have a price. And I would say, well, it's $50 per person. Oh, that's fine. Now, if the dog wasn't there, they would have probably said, no, we want to pay $9.99 per person, you know. And um then on the weekends, I realized that she liked to sing, and we had jazz. So I put her on a little stool with, you know, a few treats, and she started howling and singing along with the band. So then she started making tip money. So on any given weekend, she would make an average of $60 in tips, which helped buy those dresses because, you know, those dresses weren't buying themselves. Um, so before we knew it, we had a little marketing machine, which led to, you know, her Facebook and Instagram and all that. She had wow. five, 6,000 followers. So it just goes to prove that if you just are aware of what you love and give it your all, I mean, she really did financially contribute to this business. And like I said, I didn't mean to get her to that purpose, that it became that, which was wonderful. Well, she is considerate enough that she wanted to do her fair share. <laughs> she did. She, she pulled her weight and then some. The girls at the cafe, the baristas, were jealous. They would say, why did I make as many tips? And I said, I don't know, put on a tutu and sing. Maybe that'll help. <laughs> you know what's funny is you describe her as howling, but I've actually, and I'm going to invite our audience to go to um, – look her up on on Google and find all the places that you can actually see her in action. But she actually really does sing. I mean, it this is beyond howling. She does these wonderful, appropriate grumblings and rumblings and expressions with her throat and her mouth that are just spectacular. It, it really feels like you've dubbed her somewhat. And I know you haven't because I've been with her live. Yes, and we'll put up. I'll put a link on on your Facebook. Um, she closes her eyes and she really feels it. It's it's funny. <laughs> One time <laughs> I I told you this story. When this a band that your listeners will probably know of them. The band is called Rusted Roots, and they do a lot of music um, for Disney, like Ice Age, and you know they have big hits and. They walked into the cafe one morning. They were on tour, and the guy, I had no idea who they were until later on fans started pouring in because they realized that they were at that cafe. But the one of the musicians had a guitar, and so I asked him if he was a musician, and he said yes, and he said, oh, I'll play a song. So while they were waiting for coffee, he pulled out his guitar, and I told him, I said, you know, my dog sings. Well, I sat her down, and of course, she just stared at him and didn't open her mouth, but he was playing some kind of pop music, and then I thought, well, maybe she just doesn't like it, so I told him, I'm sorry, no offense, but she doesn't like pop music. If you play some blues, then she'll sing, 
and he started playing something bluesy and sure enough she started singing her heart out and they were laughing so hard and um you know they posted the video on their website which led to more followers and more customers so it's it's incredible and again it's just being aware of what you have a passion for and incorporating that into your life you know and we're so lucky nowadays that we can really promote ourselves and our businesses unlike any other time. You know, whatever your niche is, you can share that with the world. Yeah, it is. It really is amazing. So Bella is actually an amazing dog. That you, you've you actually had her certified as a therapy dog, so she can go everywhere with you. Yes, I made her go through a test, um, and since she is trained and, and can follow commands, um, I did that because sometimes when I take her with me on trips, then, you know, it's just good peace of mind to know that she can go in anywhere. So talk a little bit about your your flights that you've taken with her, because I think that this is amazing. And by the way, if people are wondering why I'm having this episode and we're we're talking about a pooch. It, here's the punchline. Animals do something remarkable for us as people in terms of eliciting from us a factor. They just really pull out of us our kindness, our heart, softness, our playfulness, and Sully, one of the things that's really struck me, I'm, I'm a, a, a lifelong animal lover, and the thing that really strikes me about you is that a lot of people love animals, but they still have their anxiety and nervousness that unfortunately gets put into their animal. And between you and Bella, there is just this beautiful calm and and just serene connection which is how I experience you but it really is exemplified when you talk about taking her to Paris so talk about the tell that story because I think that's rich with kindness and love and beauty well that's another time that I basically rode my dog's coattails because (laughs) I had the opportunity I was in the fashion industry and um, you know I had been to Paris many times for work and it was September about two years ago, and I had a window of opportunity and some money saved that I could go to Paris to Fashion Week. And um, I had a connection with renting an apartment, so it would all be very inexpensive. And so I started writing to the website that handles Fashion Week, and I said, you know, are there any tickets for any show? And, of course, they said no. Everything's sold out or for, you know, industry. So. Then I decided to send Bella's picture in one of her outfits, and I said, you know, I'm taking my dog, and she needs to be at Fashion Week. So they must have thought that I was rich, eccentric, or famous to be doing such a thing, and so all of a sudden the invitations started pouring in, and we had third row to Gaultier, Dior, Balenciaga, I mean, at castles, you know, mansions in Paris. And so I'm thinking, I can't believe this. You know, I get there, we take the taxi, there's paparazzi, there's lines, and we just walk right in. And she was the only dog. 
um, and it was loud, you know, like a nightclub, the music just pounding. And because she's calm and she's used to music, she just sat right next to me and watched the shows and looked at the models. And I actually, there's a blog for her. That's the link that I will share with your audience because all of the pictures are consolidated there. On the way out of the show, the cameras were all on her. The models are standing there, you know, six foot two, 120 pounds, gorgeous. And the cameras are all on the little dog. It was the funniest thing you've ever seen. And wherever we went, they would send us over, you know, champagne, wine. You think I was with a circus monkey? It was just amazing. And she she slept the whole way on the plane. Um, you know, they gave her a blanket and a pillow, and she slept for eight hours. No no pills, tranquilizers. I mean, I think she just felt, you know, comfortable. Like, no, you know, this is a good thing. But you know what you were saying about what animals can do for us. I mean, I know that I'm a bit extreme and, and crazy, which is fun. But I, you know, I went through some hard moments um, with, you know, divorce or business. And it's very easy to lay in bed and just cry for three days straight and just let yourself not get up. And But I think if you have an animal, you can't do that. You know, you have to get up, you talk to them, you feed them, you walk them. And they get you because sometimes all you need is to get out of the bed and right. just get a different scenery. And I just would encourage anybody who lives alone to, you know, adopt a, a dog or foster a dog or something because it really does get your mind off of things. And when you go out to walk them to a park, I mean, you always meet new people. So whether mm. it's friendship, romance, um, Anything. If you were alone walking in a park, you won't talk to anyone. But if you have a dog amongst dog owners or just people that come up to chat, you, mm-hmm. I mean, I never go to a park where I don't talk to people. So it's a really good way to break mm-hmm. the ice, and, you know. A phenomenal introductory device. <laughs> yes, it is. It's it's basically like your wingman. But it's, it's a wing dog. <laughs> she is a little wing dog you know i know um she's she is so delightful to have around i love it when the two of you show up to my house because she's adorable and and it is hilarious to see you in your little convertible with her with her little pearl necklace uh collar on um with her leash that's very fancy wearing a little outfit of some sort with her her headgear on so that if she is riding in the car, she doesn't get any junk in her eyes. It's it's a beautiful no. thing. And we spread the love because I can't tell you the meanest looking, prankiest people will look when they see this little dog with its sunglasses and a dress. They laugh, you know, they smile. And I've had people, you know, these guys that are like these tough construction worker guys just so you just made my day and then Aww. you know one time it was really incredibly touching um there was an old gentleman I mean he looked like he was in his late 80s in a big old 50s car and she was on my lap with her head sticking out with her sunglasses and he looked and we were at a red light and he smiled and he put down his window and he said this is the first time I've smiled since my wife passed away oh my gosh you know, and it just, I, you know, it just brought tears to my eyes, but it just makes you realize how 
you can be silly and fun, and but you know, you don't know who you're touching, and you put a smile on someone's face, and that's what I loved so much about being blessed to do what I did. You know, with the cafe, I could look at Mm -hmm. it as, I mean, the cafe itself was a little beautiful gem, but it could just be, oh, I have to be there at 5 a.m. and start baking, and oh, this broke, and the toilet's broken, and the taxes are due. You know, I could. Could have gone through life like that, but you can also look at just the smiles and the laughter and the people that meet there and the joy. Um, I had customers. One of them would tell me that the only thing that got her through chemotherapy was knowing that she would be able to treat herself to a visit to the cafe afterwards, and just so many stories like that. And, you know, I could look at it as just a cafe or it was a gathering place that people went to refill, you know, to cheer up, to get over their their funk or if they were depressed. So it just sometimes there's things right in front of you and it's how you look at them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And 100 percent. Where in the world do you come from? Oh my gosh, this would be a good trivia quiz for your listeners. <laughs> they could win a prize if they if they knew the capital. I am from <laughs> I'm I was born in Uruguay uh-huh. and the capital is Montevideo. And it's a little country south of Brazil, um, east of Argentina in the corner of South America. So it's not tropical. It has all four seasons. Winter is extremely cold. Um, and it's very European. It's beautiful. It was founded by mostly Italian immigrants, um, Spaniards, Jewish, and Russian. So, and then my family, my parents are from, you know, Argentina that's right next door. So it's basically the same culture. And we came here when I was 10 years old to the United and States, not to St. Louis. Tell us, tell us about your, your parents, because people don't just come out of nowhere. And you are such a captivating person. You've talked a little bit about your folks and, and especially about, about your dad. Where, where do you think your core of kindness and love of this life comes from? You know, I have to give credit to my dad 100%. My mother is a very nice person, but she was more, you know, traditional housewife. And and I know that I've learned several lessons along the way from her, but my father's the one that's really exceptional just as a human being. He was um, an ER doctor, chief of staff in in a hospital in Uruguay, and there was a lot of political turmoil. Banks were going out of business. There were kidnappings. Um, people may know about the disappeared in Argentina and Uruguay, where people would just disappear off the street. They were tortured and killed, never to be seen again. So he studied English in hopes of leaving the country, signed up with a lot of different programs for doctors that were needed in different countries. Um, and But he, we didn't learn English because this was just a backup plan. So one day he got a call from a hospital in Ohio and it was an inner city hospital and they said that they were hiring foreign doctors. So off we go 
to Ohio for a year. I didn't speak a word of English. Um, so it was quite the experience. But um, at that point, he was in his 40s. So that's one incredibly brave thing. I mean, think of moving your whole family to another country. Say you spoke mm. some Japanese, and then all of a sudden you move your whole family to Japan. And you know you're going to have your wife unhappy, your kids complaining, adjusting, you know, all of that. Um, but while I was growing up, even in South America, he just was so kind. Um, and he would tell on the weekends, this is a time when doctors got a lot of free medical um, medicine samples. And he had them all stored at home like a pharmacy. And on the weekends, he would go to really impoverished neighborhoods. I mean, you know, these shanty towns with tin huts, basically. And he had patients that he saw, and he would have medicine samples saved for them. So if there was a lady that he controlled her cholesterol with medicine, he would check her and bring that, um, you know, just all kinds of illnesses. And he would take me with him. And mm. at first, I did not like it. I thought it was gross and boring and disgusting. But after, I don't know when, I realized that these people would come and, and just thank him and cry and, and, and hug him. And I started realizing, you know, these kids are playing in dirty water and they have nothing. And it just started sinking in as a child about mm. how lucky I was, you know. So that made a huge impact. It, just a huge influence in my life and just always appreciating what I have. Even, you know, when we tend to get a little materialistic and want more, just think for a minute, like you said in the beginning about complaining about the weather, there's mm-hmm. nothing to complain about. Think about people who live in areas that get flooded or there's so much heat and there's no air conditioning to mention you know, just extreme, extreme cases. So we really don't have anything to complain about. Mm-mm. What kinds of things would your dad talk to you about when he was, when the two of you were traveling to these places? Did he try to share with you his thoughts or yes. his, yeah. He definitely did. He would tell me, for example, when I go to the hospital, to spend a slow, you know, afternoon with him or something. He would tell he would sit and have lunch with the janitor or with the director of the hospital. And he would tell me that there are good people and bad people of all socioeconomic levels. He said, you know, just because this person has money and a flashy car, he could be a horrible person. He could be abusing his children, beating his wife, he could be, you know, a womanizer, an alcoholic, anything. And this janitor, just because he's poor, doesn't mean, you know, he could be an amazing person, a good family man, or he could also be a bad person. So he said, you have to really get to know people and not judge them for, you know, what their position is. So that was, you know, really important to see that these people were impoverished, but, you know, most of them were really good people. Mm -hmm. And um, one day along the way, we stopped it was one of those Sundays where he went to do his charity work. We stopped at a fair, and it was kind of a bad neighborhood, but there were, you know, rides, and I asked to stop. So we went on some rides, and I was walking around with my big, giant cotton candy, and a kid ran by me and just snatched it out of my hand. 
and, you know, was one of these little street kids. And I was so upset and I was, you know, crying and angry. And I'll never forget, my dad just had a smile on his face. And I said, why are you smiling? He stole my cotton candy. And he said, we can af- we, you know, we're fortunate enough to be able to buy another one. If he took that, he must have been hungry. So, you know, mm. we need to be grateful that we have the opportunity to get another one. And he looked for him, you know, to invite him to have lunch with us. And I just couldn't believe it. So that was really incredible because wow. the first thing that you get is anger, you know, like, oh, somebody stole my this or my that. And um, you don't know. Sometimes it might be a matter of life or death for that person. So he's he's taught me so many things. What an awesome lesson. And he's still around. He is. He's 80, and he's completely brilliant and up on current affairs and, and everything. He lives in California. I wish I was closer because – but we do talk several times a week. And um, – yeah, he's just like a friend. He talks about any topic. He's great. Mm, I love that. You know, my we have we we've talked a little bit about this. We have a, a lot of overlap um, in the way of our dads, and as two women who who grew up loving daddy, being daddy's girls, loving the relationship that we've been able to have with our fathers across the course of our lifetime, and and you're blessed in ways that. Um, has shifted for me because my dad's uh, passed away 20 years ago this November mm. 10th, and and it's stunning to me to think of the ways in which it's been so long since I've seen him, and I I still feel so heavily and so heartfully his influence with me in all these loving ways, and when people women in particular talk about the divide that they feel between men and women and even the negativity that they put on to men because they somehow don't have a level of satisfaction or connection to men. I always wonder who their dads were. You know, it's true. I mean, and it's it's funny because whenever I've had a failed relationship, at first, I'm embarrassed because my parents are still together to this day. And then I think, oh, I hope they don't think I'm a flake or, you know. But then I always turn it on, on my dad and I said, you know, I, I tell him, well, you know, it's your fault, right? Because you're so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and then he he just laughs, you know, like he knows it's just an excuse. But it's, we need to stop and, and really think. And if the thing we loved about our dads is the kindness you know, I would right. never be with a jerk right. that talks to people wrong or disrespectfully. It's just not going to meet to the standard, you know. And 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 realistically, not that we just idolize our dads, but just qualities that we like in our father as men, whether, you know, they're loyal, they're respectful as far as not looking at other women and making their spouse feel badly. Those are the right. things you want for yourself, too, because, you know, they work. <laughs> right, right, Exactly. So one of the things that you and I are starting to do is is look at the ways in which we can spread all this goodness and kindness between us out to more people. And I wanted you here because I wanted people to really hear who you are. And I also wanted to time it with events that you and I are starting to do together. And 
those start this coming Monday and June, no, Tuesday, <laughs> on June 30th. And we're going to have them in a beautiful location that you're only going to know about if you go to either your Facebook page at Araceli Kapiloff or mine at Deb Carlin or Deborah Carlin or come to um, Blog Talk Radio and hear this. Um, we we have teamed up with each other and with an incredible couple of women, um, Robin Reese, who is a holistic integrative practitioner who is a complete package in terms of a beautiful, bright, engaging, kind woman who delivers a service that is through the hands, through the heart and through the mind. Araceli and I have both had healings with her, which I thought were amazing, didn't you? Oh, yes. I mean, I definitely felt a physical change, you know. I mean, it was incredible. At one point, I started weeping just uncontrollably. But, you know, it wasn't crying like I was upset. It was just tears. I mean, I could have smiled at that moment or said, you know, hey, are you hungry? Let's go to lunch. (laughs) You know, just tears pouring out of my eyes. It was incredible. I wasn't, that's never happened to me before. Yeah, it's very weird. It's like she turns on a faucet uh, for for tears, for laughter, for snoring. (laughs) And you just release what it is that she's in tune with knowing that you need to. It's, it sounds it sounds crazy to say it, but you know our body does emit what it needs to. She just knows how to channel it to help us get healthy. And Robin yeah. is a good friend of ours. And there's another woman who's joining us who is Valda Boyd Ford, who is another incredible human being. She is Maya Angelou like, and she yeah. is. She is. She's this beautiful, tall stature woman of elegance who is a nurse. She's a master's in public health. She grew up in the South. She has lived all over the world. She's lived and worked in Saudi Arabia. She's lived and worked in refugee camps around the world. And she doesn't just go for some short stint of a couple of weeks or a couple of months. I mean, she actually gets completely immersed and lives with these groups of people who desperately need the kind of help that she can deliver as a public health professional and as a nurse. And she's also a sex educator. And she has a talk called Sexism for Sissies, and it's amazing because it is intellectual and emotional and serious and fun, and it really speaks to our anatomy, the emotionality of our physiology. And Araceli, the way that the four of us have teamed up seems to me to be about delivering a a holistic healing to people, to to men and to women both, and particularly to women who want to experience their core beauty in relation to one one another and to themselves, but also in relation to men, and that we add an element of things that are are not just about our intellect or about our 
our emotion, but pure fun. Enter Bella. Because <laughs> Bella will, we will be laugh. Oh, she will be. And we, there's no lack of laughter, believe me. I think yeah. it's it's so wonderful because it'll be mind, body, soul. You're going to have, you know, this deep, you know, spiritual connection with people. And then you might have some smack back to reality by me. <laughs> <laughs> and some real, you know, great advice. And I, I just can't wait. I think it's these ladies are wonderful. Uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty powerful. And and you and I love to do things that exemplify the life experience. And and you actually just went through with with your love partner. Something that could, I was amazed, Araceli, it could have been so scary and with a negative trauma to it that I saw you turn into something that, while serious and involving health and life, you took and put into a more pleasant zone. Um, and, and that's so important. Can you Can you share with our listeners about the dynamic between partners when one of them is going to undergo something medically and they need to not go to a dark place, but they need to stay in a place of light and love and hope. Oh my gosh. Yes. And he, um, he was in a car accident a few months back and due to all of the testing that had to be done, MRIs and such, um, it was discovered that he had a heart artery that was 90% clogged. The doctor told me it was the central artery, which they called the widow maker. And he could have died of a heart attack at any given day moment. This isn't a thing, a matter of years. And mm-hmm. he's 54, but he's a very youthful 54. And he's, you know, weight, height appropriate. So it's not somebody that would stand out as, wow, this guy's a walking heart attack. You know, I mean, and he had no symptoms, no chest pain, no shortness of breath. So they kept him immediately for surgery. And um, that night at the hospital before I left, he started to, he looked at me and he said, is there anything you want to tell me? And I thought I was in trouble. I thought I didn't do anything wrong. What do I have to tell you? <laughs> and um, I said, what do you mean? And he goes, well, in case I don't make it, because they said they could possibly, once they went in there, they could have possibly done open heart surgery, and, you know, there are risks. So I told him, no, I don't have anything to tell you. It kind of made me just strong and and mad. And he goes, you don't want to tell me you love me? And I said, I tell you I love you every single day, and I care for you, and I do whatever it takes, and, you know, so... Yes, I I do love you, but today is not tonight is not a moment to to talk about that. You know that I do and I'll be there with you and when you wake up tomorrow I'll be here. And I just shut him down. I mean, I don't know if it was right or wrong, but he the next day he was really happy and he said he was in a good space and he felt that the surgery would go fine and, and it did. But I just didn't want to do that crying by the bedside of, oh, if you leave and, you know, I mean, it's just too depressing. And this whole experience now made me realize 
we're lucky. We have a good relationship. We're best friends. But so we rarely fight. But if there's a day when I'm annoyed with him because he did something, you know, like leaving dirty clothes or just something insignificant, it's not worth it anymore. You know, I just think in my head, he could have died. <laughs> and I really, you know, if this man was gone, I wouldn't be worried about, oh, there, well, there's no more dirty clothes to pick up. I mean, it's ridiculous. You know, you you go through a scare and you realize how petty you can be on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. And I think that that's, that's another element in the theme of kindness. We forget. We get cavalier about people. We get cavalier about our love. We get cavalier about things that annoy us. And, and when those that annoy us get huge, we can get so fussy about anything. And it just, it tears down a relationship significantly, doesn't it? It really does. I mean, I don't think about on a daily basis, oh, how can I be sexy or how could I be attractive? Just, Just in general, you have to think about if when you meet somebody and you're at that stage where everything, you know, lovey and rose and you just, everything's through rose-colored glasses, what do you like about them? You like their laugh. You like how they look, if they wore perfume, cologne, what they shared with you. You wouldn't be in love with somebody who's nagging you and telling you to put your socks away. <laughs> and, all of that. and I know that's part of real life, but you can still do it in a loving way. And, you know, lead by example and, and give positive reinforcement. You know, when he does something good, you know, I make a point of saying, you know, thank you so much for doing that. That made my day easier, and now we can move on to something else. And, and he sees, you know, that certain things he does make me happier. But we just have to not forget, not that we have to be in the full romance stage every day, but, you know, just sort of keep in mind what attracted us to that person and, and how to keep that going. Mm. Absolutely. It's such a blessing. So the two of you are sort of in recovery on the backside of all that, having to chase around to have him do the programs that they want him to do, get healthier, feel better, keep that artery open. What's that like? Are you are the two of you surviving that okay? Yes, it's um, working out, and they have me go with him so that I can sort of supervise um, that he's doing it right or not overdoing it or not underdoing it. Um, We had both gotten in really great physical shape, and he had dropped about 20, 25 pounds since December, so that was a good head start because he's almost at his ideal goal, but it makes you realize, too, how important, you know, how we all, well, not let me speak for myself, how I abused my body when I was younger. I mean, I didn't do anything bad, but just like normal things, like eating junk food and this and that. Um, and it's incredible, you know, when you get to, I'm in my 40s, and you get to your 40s and 50s, and you realize, wow, it's very, the body is very precious. And just minimal things, he has to exercise three days a week. And even if you do anything, even if you don't go to a gym, if you, you know, do jumping jacks at home, sit-ups, leg lifts, anything, just three times a week, what a huge difference it makes in the long run. 
And until you get affected in person, you know, you hear that everywhere and you don't take it seriously. But um, it's, you know, it's good that he has to do this and that we're both on board with it. Um, so I think it, he'll have a long life ahead of him. Yay. Araceli, Jeff, and Bella. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bella, I know that yeah. normally we would be on the phone for an hour on the Blog Talk Radio platform here, but we're going to close it out so that the two of you can go do exactly that and be able to make your exit from your home at a relaxed pace and you. your heart and your mind into the spirit of wellness and going after it. And, Araceli, I love you dearly, and I thank you so much for coming today. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much, and it's always a pleasure to chat with you and laugh, and, you know, we can have laugh therapy anytime. <laughs> anytime and every day. Thank you, Araceli. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. It is so much fun to have a platform that I can invite my loved ones onto. And by the way, anybody who ends up on my platform even if I haven't known them for very long, I know them before we get on here, and I know them better once they're here and we engage in conversation. I am always excited, really, truly excited and eager to share the dialogue that I'm having with people, people who I know, if you will tune in, they can really shift your thoughts upward into a place that's even better than where you might already be. This is your host, Dr. Deb Carlin, here at the K-Factor, where K equals kindness, and the factors are all the things that lead to it. Signing off for today and wishing you a beautiful, lovely day. <laughs>